0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to episode number 169. Hold your jokes, hold your comments, because we have a lot to dive into today. However, thank you so much for joining me. That was my chair squeaking. Chair doesn't do all too well in the cold, and right now the shop is heating up, so I'm a little chilly myself. However, that's not going to stop us from getting into an excellent, excellent conversation today about boston sports i have been since i've been on vacation i have been out of the loop however i have been paying attention to all of the bruins the celtics and of course the patriots news games drama uh, headlines etc etc but we do have a lot to talk about today however i want to slow myself into today's episode i know i didn't miss any episodes or i didn't have to hold off on any episodes with my little vacation however i'm still trying to get back Into the swing of things here at the shop, here at the shop for the first time since last Friday when I recorded episode number 168. So I do have to uh, slowly settle myself back in here, but hopefully you had a fantastic Thanksgiving with your friends and family. Hopefully you were able to enjoy just a really good holiday filled with food, dessert, again, friends and family, good times, football, laughter, games really whatever suits your Thanksgiving. Really, hopefully you were able to get a great you know, amount of that with, again, your friends, family, loved ones, everyone you care and everyone you cherish. Because Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that you're really able to enjoy. And yes, there's some pressure and some stress cooking and such like that. But once the food's made, good times just roll on. And Thanksgiving is one of those holidays that, in my opinion, is like, the official start of the holiday season and of course there's a bunch of different holidays and different you know the let's see yeah different holidays that people celebrate you know over the course of December however I feel like regardless what you observe regardless of your religion Thanksgiving is the one that can kind of kickstart it all and I'm very excited that the holiday season is finally here yes I'm listening to Christmas music in the car which is fun and fantastic however that's not what you're here for. You guys want me to talk about sports, Boston sports. But before I get into that, before I get into that, I do want to say my vacation to Vermont was very nice. It's very cold up there. However, it was very pleasant, relaxful to a degree. However, just like any vacation, could always use an extra day or two. Um, obviously, I was gone for, what was I? was gone for three days-ish, three plus days. And definitely could have used a fourth maybe even a fifth day however have to come back have to get back to work Black Friday's here we have tons of sales on at the shop and I do want to discuss a bunch of those sales really quickly before we dive into today's topics about the um, Celtics and Patriots I will try to get into the Bruins later today as well but not much has changed they did lose the other night however you're gonna lose (laughs) You're, you're gonna lose however They're off to a fantastic start. But let's just get into the Black Friday sales here at Murph's Cartown Sports Shop. And I will just kind of jump into the disclaimer real quickly, which is at the back end of the Instagram post, which is where I'm just reading this from. So just this is a disclaimer, a heads up, uh, FYI as we go into today, that deals, sales, and promotions are limited to availability of shop inventory. Deals, sales, and promotions are only applied to shop sticker prices. Deals, sales, and promotions are only good on Black Friday, November 25th, excuse me, 2022. All available inventory will be first come, first served, as items will not be held unless purchased in advance. Discounts can't be stacked on top of each other. Some deals, sales, and promotions are not listed and posted online and only advertised in shop during black friday please visit shop for more details so that's just a disclaimer page as you know some people are gonna you know like to haggle like oh it's ten dollars will you take eight well that's gonna throw the deal out the window people are gonna try to like you know just stack all four deals on top of each other you know where it's like buy one get one half off but if you get a card from the sticker uh from the showcase you can get 20 percent off so they're gonna want to try to get 70 percent off of that card so, just a few fine printed rules real uh, there real quickly. But I don't think it should be a problem this year. I didn't have a problem last year. But, yeah, you never know. You never know. So, let's let's go. The first sale. Buy any hobby box valued over $150 and receive a $20 gift card for free. Literally, for free. Any $150 uh, dollar or more hobby box. Doesn't matter if it's $150 or $1,000 you will receive a $20 gift card for free. I think that's super duper nice and I'm very excited to see how many people take advantage of that one. Literally, you're you're buying the box anyways, so you get a free gift card out of it. Buy a $50 gift card, so buy a separate $50 gift card, and get an additional $10 gift card for free. Absolutely for free. You can just come in, buy the $50 gift card, you'll get the $10 gift card for free, and then you can leave. It's fantastic. I, it's it's $60 for the price of 50 I think that one is probably going to be the one that's most utilized. I don't know. I don't really know. Buy three packs of top loaders and get a penny and get a pack of penny sleeves for free. I think that's super awesome. We all need top loaders. We all need penny sleeves. Might as well come on down to the shop, get your top loaders, and you'll get the penny sleeves for free just because you needed top loaders spend $200 on case singles any sport and get a 200 uh, get a $20 card for free so this is where the really shop sticker price kind of comes into effect here people love to haggle they see a $200 card and they're going to lowball you at like 100 or 120 or whatever but if you spend $20 it could be one card or it could be 20 cards as long as you get up to that $200 on case singles any sport football basketball baseball doesn't matter you'll get a $20 card for free in the showcase yeah in the showcase so I think that's pretty cool right there that's gonna be awesome get $220 worth of cards again it could be one it could be whatever buy your $200 card that you really want or a gift for somebody and then you'll just get a $20 card for free and then you can sell it you can trade it you can do whatever you want with it afterwards This is a cool one for all the Pokemon collectors out there. Spend $50 in Pokemon products. Singles, Raw, Graded, Wax. Doesn't matter what it is. And receive two Pokemon packs for free. So right now, the most recent release is Silver Tempest. That's the one that I have the most of. So that will be the two packs that you'll be getting for free. So you could $50 on one Graded card. You can get, uh, let's see, what do I have out there for $50? You can get the Charizard, the Charizard UPC for 120 and you'll get two free po- Pokemon packs out of it. You can get an ETB and a couple packs to get you $50. Hey, you'll get two more packs for free. So it's going to be a really good sale for the Pokemon collectors out there. So if you collect Pokemon and you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely going to want to take advantage of this deal. This is an interesting one. This is for... The older generation that comes by the shop and they kind of dig through the Sports Illustrated bins, buy one Sports Illustrated magazine and get two free. So all my Sports Illustrated magazines, whether they're from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, whenever they're from, if you buy one, you're going to get two free. You're going to get three for the price of one. That, that just blows my mind. Now, again, not a lot of people are into Sports Illustrated magazine. People are not into magazines, period, anymore with everything being on our phones. But, I mean, if you're a collector or you want a piece of history, th- this deal, I think value-wise, this deal might be my best one just because you're getting three for the price of one or three for $10. I think value-wise, this might be my best deal. Spend $50 in hockey singles, raw, graded, and Wax, should be and or Wax, but whatever, and receive two hockey packs for free. Again, similar to the Pokemon one, spend $50 in Pokemon and singles, raw, graded, or Wax, and you get two packs. Spend $50 in hockey, singles, raw, graded, or Wax, and you'll receive two hockey packs for free. And then we have buy one dollar card and get two dollar cards free, any sport. So if you find a baseball card that you want, you buy that baseball card and you can get a football card and a basketball card all for free. I think that's a really I think that's going to be an excellent one for maybe the kids or those that are looking to be sneaky sneaky investors because there is some dimes and some gems hidden within any and all of the dollar bins. So we'll be I'll be interested to see how many people will actually sit down and take the time to go through the dollar bins. And those are all the announced deals here at the shop those are all the announced deals now there are a few that are not announced on social media however they will be going on here at the shop so you won't know about them until you walk into the shop so i'll give you guys a sneak peek at one of the deals that will be only announced here in shop only announced here in shop is you buy one get two free pokemon commons Now, Pokemon Commons here at my shop are $0.25 each. And if you buy one for a quarter, then you get two free. You're getting three for $0.25. I guess value-wise, that makes even more sense than the, uh, what was it, the Sports Illustrated one or the buy one, get two free dollar cards. Buy one, get two free Pokemon Commons. That is one of few deals that have not been announced on social media but will be announced here at shop so only you guys listening to this podcast will know about that deal unless you come to murph's cartown sports shop so that's going to wrap it up for the black friday sales that i wanted to talk about because i just want to make sure everyone knows i wanted to publicize it on social media instagram facebook make sure i talk about it here on the podcast because this podcast will be out just about the same time the shop opens so maybe those that are listening to this podcast in the morning We'll be able to, oh, wow, deals, I didn't know, and shoot on down to Murph's Card Town Sports Shop. You can find the shop on social media, at Murph's Card Town, on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, Facebook as well, in case you're not already following. But let's dive into sports. I know you guys care about sports, but I need a sip of water because this is a sports podcast at the end of the day. And you guys want me to talk about sports, and that's what I'm going to do. Where do I start? I don't know. So I did talk. I did not talk about the... Let's see. I'm trying to... So we play, We just played last night on Thursday and the Sunday before. I did talk about the Patriots and Jets game going into the game. I guess I'll briefly reflect on it right now is the Jets offense is significantly struggling without Brees Hall. I think that's just a kind of a known fact at this point is they are significantly struggling to move the ball both offensively through the passing game and offensively through the run game as well. Zach Wilson significantly struggling. The receivers are struggling, you know, by way of that. But the running game is not impressive at all. Michael Carter, 8 for 19. James Robinson, 7 for 10. Ty Johnson, 4 carries for 4 yards. They significantly are taking a huge step back without Brees Hall. And that goes, you know, that's, that's big time for Brees Hall because Brees Hall was he kind of came onto the scene fast. He was very, very good when he was playing, and then he got an unfortunate injury and that ended the season. And I feel like ever since then the Jets have been significantly struggling. As they're now what are they, six and four now? They were what were they five and two, I think, at one point. And now they've fallen to six and four with obviously two of those losses coming to the hands of the New England Patriots. But let's not sit here and talk about the Jets all too, too much because, you know, at the end of the day, they're still the Jets. They're still a good team this year. They are significantly underperforming as of late. Can they figure it out with the benching of Zach Wilson? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see what the integrity of that team ends up looking like. However, I do want to talk about the Patriots just briefly in that game, and then, of course, we'll jump over to the Patriots and Vikings game. But Mac Jones, 23 of 27 for 246 yards, looked very good. Completion percentage was high. The yardage, yard total was really good. The only thing that they struggled to do was just punch it into the end zone. Unlike the Jets that day, Stevenson and Harris were I don't I don't want to say Harris was running the ball effectively, but he got a lot of touches, which I think really opened up the play action because they know that Ramondre Stevenson can be and is oftentimes a force in the running game, but they were able to slow him down. However, it left the door open for the play action. Which is something I've been saying, saying, and saying that I want the Patriots to do with Mac Jones, like they did with Bailey Zappi, causing him, referring to Zappi, look so good in the three and a half or so games that he played. You know, when Zappi was under center, play action, bootleg, or play action dropback really, you know, takes the defense kind of like two, three yards or two, three steps into the play. And allows you to go over the top and I think that's where Zappi was able to really shine. Well, and I've been saying this for weeks, you know, in the whole Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi conversation, I just want them to run that same offense for Mac Jones and see what it looks like. In the past couple weeks, it's been looking good for Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones didn't get the win last night, but he looked really good. He did 28 for 39 attempts, 382 yards and two touchdowns and no picks. And like I just mentioned, 23 for 27 246 yards, no tutties, no picks. So just the passing game in the running game, I strongly believe, are being able to complement each other very nicely. However, it's only going to go as far, whether it's passing or running game, only as far as the offensive line will take them for the Patriots. And this was something that was a blind, I'm not sorry, not blind, which was uh, a sore thumb in watching the Patriots on Sunday, which I didn't do a lot of, unfortunately, because I was at the Mohegan card show this past weekend. But I was able to watch highlights, clips, and, you know, kind of get caught up that way. But it's just a constant issue for the Patriots was just protecting Mac Jones, protecting Mac Jones. You know, if you're running the ball and you can't protect the quarterback, I, I know pass blocking and run blocking are different things. However, if you have a bad offensive line, whether it's, Pass blocking or run blocking, I do believe. Just in general, you have a bad offensive line. I don't think it's just one or the other. In general, your offensive line is not that good, and I think that was you know a big gaping eyesore for the Patriots in this Jets game, where Ramondre Stevenson only had 15 carries for 26 yards. Damien Harris, you know, looked pretty good, eight carries for 65 yards in his limited time, and it did open the play action up a little bit. However, that offense was never really get able to get anything going. Nothing really big downfield. You know, Ramondre Stevenson was your best you know receiver. Your running back was your best receiver in that game against the Jets. Six receptions for 56 yards, and the majority of those are just checkdowns and safety blanket throws. That's really it. You know, I know the Jets defense has been playing significantly better. And if you look at it in a vacuum, Jets defense only given up 10 points. That should be a win. That really should be a win, and the Patriots really only got a win because of a, a punt return for a touchdown. So the Patriots only scoring three offensive points is something I've been trying to preach for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and people just don't listen to me. Is yes, their record okay? Their record going into the Vikings game was six and four. However, can we just like take a moment? And just, I gotta get this, I gotta get the schedule up and just take a moment and just reflect on the previous games that we've had since Mac Jones originally went down. They did okay against the Packers, still lost against inevitably a bad team, but hey, you know what? It is what it is. That Lions game, not to beat a dead horse, guys, but I just have to remind you, in case there's new listeners, in case you forgot 29 to nothing against the Lions. Defense shut down, the number one offense at the time, but the worst defense in the league. Only gave up one offensive touchdown. Then there was a fumble six and five field goals. I'm not impressed. Uh, Bailey Zappi's first career start, good to see him move the ball down the field a little bit, sure. But again, I'm not getting you know, out of my shoes over it. 38-15 over the Browns, sure, that was impressive. Oh, I don't want to say impressive, but that was a good win. Bears, 33-14. Do we need to talk about that game when Bailey Zappi came back in and he sucked? Then you beat the Jets 22-17. to Okay, but are we starting to see the true colors of the Jets now and how good that they're not? Are we seeing the Jets fall apart and they're inevitably going to be an under 500 team to the point where these two wins against the Jets are not that impressive? Maybe. You beat the Colts 26-3. to They've had their own issues all season. However, Mac Jones, that was his second. Actually, no, he started against the Bears. He started against the Jets. So third start back. Looked really good. Um, all in all, that was a really good... Game, however, you're going against Sam Ellinger and the Colts. He threw for 103 yards, an interception. Mac Jones, 20 for 30, 147, and a touchdown. But the run game by Stevenson is what really carried you there. However, at, at the end of the day, it's you know, the Colts could finish you know, under 500, and people would be surprised if you're looking from the beginning of the season in. But at the current point where we are in the season, if the Colts finish under 500, no one's going to be surprised. Then the Jets, 10 to 3. It's just, people are going, I'm going to just talk about going into the Vikings game because I think that there's a whole different outlook coming out of the Vikings game after the 33-26 defeat uh, last night on Thursday Night Football. So I'm just going to kind of slowly preface my point here prior to that game. is you're sitting at 6-4, and four, were you 7th or 6th in the AFC wildcard picture, whatever it was, Holding a couple tiebreakers, you know, against the Colts, the Browns, the Jets. Uh, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to look at back at the schedule Yeah. So, again, where am I supposed to be t- impressed? Now, people say the defense has been playing well, and I'll agree with you on that. Three points to the Jets. Three points to the Colts. Typically, if you only give up three points, you're going to win a ball game. And then you look at some games where they didn't look great, but they still got the job done. Uh, 17 to the Jets, 15 to the Browns, 14 to the Steelers early in the season. But then there's just those games where it's just like 37 to the Ravens, 27 to the Packers who are undermanned and, you know, they need to win out in order to do anything to get into the playoffs, really. So they could be a team finishing under 500, missing the playoffs, and it's gonna be like, oh, you gotta beat them. Then you look at the Bears, who that was right on the cusp with Justin Fields kind of blowing up, but still 33 points at that time. The Bears, bad team, underperforming quarterback, no weapons, poor coaching, but hey, they're making noise in the NFC potentially. Who knows? But you give up 33 to them, and then. I mean, 17 to the Jets the first time, you know, I'm not too worried about. You should be able to beat the Jets, even though you give up 17 points. But I'm not a fan of the defense either. And I know I'm trying to hold my thoughts about Thursday night's game, but just quickly look at the Vikings. just gave up 33 points to the Vikings. Their defense isn't that great. You were able to score 26 points. However, a touchdown was a kick return. However, uh, Kene Nwongu is a pretty good kick returner as well. You know, it's not his first ever kick return touchdown. He's done a few of them before. But, you know, that's like the difference maker right there. And if you had one play go your way or you're able to get one stop or whatever, you probably win that game. However, it still comes to the defense getting torched by Justin Jefferson, you know, not being able to slow down Adam Thielen. It's just, you know, little things like that. So I'm not left impressed with the defense at all. I'm not left impressed with the offense. Is the offense getting better? Sure, I think so i think the play calling is getting a little bit better but this is not a playoff team guys and you know i'm getting messages and I'm having conversations with people that they think they can get sneak in at you know the five six or seven seed I've, I've done this exercise before and hey i said six and i said six and eleven it looks like i might be wrong but hey who we don't know they play the bills next thursday Currently they're six and five after the loss to Minnesota. So let me talk about the Minnesota game before I jump ahead here because I'm going to be all over the map. The Vikings Patriots game, from a football fan perspective, it was a good game. Back and forth, it was tied. You know this team had the lead, that team had the lead. Again, Mac Jones, 28 completions for 39 or on 39 attempts, 382 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. What more do you want this guy to do? People saying that he's not throwing the ball, he's not accurate enough, he's not pushing the ball downfield. Well, what more do you want him to do? He got you 26 points of offense. He played very well. I I just against arguably arguably the best team in the league or at least one of the best teams in the league with a high power offense. A defense that, you know, is pretty okay, pretty good, I'd say. Obviously, you know, not top-five defense, but still a good defense nonetheless. On the road, on Thanksgiving, on a short week. So, it's just like, what more do we want from Mac Jones? Because I know Bailey Zappi, not to keep bringing him up, wasn't going to win that game for you. So, can we, like, put the Mac Jones... I know it's only one game that he looked really, really good. However... Again, the offense in general. Look who's around Mac Jones. Look who's coaching Mac Jones. Look who's protecting Mac Jones. I think these are all factors that need to be considered when evaluating Mac Jones, which a lot of people just simply don't do. A lot of people don't evaluate the other intangibles around the quarterback before they judge the quarterback. However, when it comes to their team, let's say their favorite team is... uh, Let's say... I'm trying to think, like Aaron Rodgers, for instance. Let's say your favorite team is the Green Bay Packers. And you look at Aaron Rodgers, and he's not having the greatest of stats. He's throwing interceptions. He's not throwing touchdowns. He's not throwing, you know, a ton of passing yards. You know, are we going to sit here and all blame Aaron Rodgers? I don't think a lot of people, or if any, are just blaming Aaron Rodgers. No, no. They're blaming the fact that they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. They're blaming that they don't have a really good running game this year that the offensive line is, is collapsing, you know, the pocket's collapsing more frequently, that he doesn't have, you know, good wide receivers, how Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, you know, they're just not cutting it this year, although I think that's incorrect. You know, rookie receivers take time to grow and develop. They're saying that, you know, there's lack of tight end play. Just, they're making up so many different excuses for Aaron Rodgers, and they're not just going to say, hey, he's 38, 39 years old, he's slowing down, He may not have it anymore as he once did. You know, he's past his prime. He's just having a bad season. But when it comes to Mac Jones, a lot of people are just saying, oh, he's playing. He's not playing good. He sucks. Now, I'm not saying the same people are saying that. But again, people with football takes, just do your research and just, you know, consider all the details and facts. Like, has there been times this year where Mac Jones hasn't looked that good? Yeah, of course. But again, look at the other intangibles. Let's ask ourselves, why isn't he looking that good? Is it based off his own own poor play? Maybe. Or is it based off of the pocket collapsing? Or that the running back didn't chip and he got sacked too fast? That there was no nobody open, nobody's getting open? Just so many more intangibles. And I really hope that this game against the Vikings of Mac Jones, I don't want to say puts it to bed because no one game is going to put something to bed really. But hopefully he can kind of quiet the people down a little bit. However, they still did loss, so there's still going to be those haters that will be like, ugh. Uh, uh. But anyways, Stevenson, seven carries for 36 yards. Harris, five carries for 16 yards. Obviously came out with a thigh injury in the second half. Running game really wasn't existent. Passing game looked really solid. Devontae Parker looked good. Stevenson, nine receptions for 76 yards. He's really turning into that. True three-down running back with the carries, with the receptions. He's receiving the ball more than I ever thought he would, whether it was last year or this year. Uh, Dude had, like, what, seven receptions last week, nine receptions this week. He's carrying the ball a ton, and he's good with it, which is the crazy thing. Just let's hope we don't run him into the ground now. So I guess my takeaway from this Patriots and Vikings game was I think the Patriots, you know, answered the bell, really, against the Minnesota Vikings. They didn't get blown out. They were in the game all the way literally to the end. It's just a couple different coaching miscues, a couple different obviously special teams miscues, this and that. I I can't say you can blame the offense. You could point to the offense that, the you know, they weren't able to run the ball effectively. But I think the offensive line looked really good. For the most part, it really did. How many sacks did they end up giving up? Not many uh sacks one two three only three sacks which obviously you don't want your quarterback to be touched at all however i'll take the three sacks giving the fact that the patriots weren't able to guard you know defensive r- pass rushes at all for the past few weeks if not the whole season so i'll definitely take it there but again let's look back to our defense how good is our defense really giving up 33 points to the vikings again Really good team, potential NFC favorite, potential Super Bowl favorite. Who knows? I'm just throwing some some things out there. But again, 33 points to the Vikings. Yes, three to the Jets, three to the Colts. 17 points to the Jets a few weeks ago, 33 to the Bears, 27 to the Packers, 37 to the Ravens, 20 to the Dolphins. It's just, I think the offense can figure it out as much as I do think the defense can figure it out. But I feel like when one figures it out, the other completely forgets how to play. Like, the offense looked really good outside of the running game, looked really good all in all, but the defense wasn't there to help him. And then when the defense is there and playing extremely well, the offense can't do anything. It's a weird dynamic of back and forth, back and forth. However, am I left sitting here with optimism about the Patriots moving forward or am I still left pessimistic because they're 6 and 5 and they got 6 games left. 6 and 5 with 6 games left. And I did this last week and I'll do it again this week is taking a look at the next few opponents for the Patriots and just kind of predicting where they're going to go. Thursday night or I should say next Thursday against the Bills in Foxborough I just don't really think the Patriots will win. They could maybe hang and dance. The Bills are kind of struggling a little bit. I just think that's a loss. Arizona against Kyler Murray, if he's healthy, should win that game for sure. You should win the game against the Raiders too. Will they? Who knows? Bengals, I think they'll lose. Dolphins, I think they'll lose. The Bills, I think they'll lose to wrap up the season. I think they're going to get three straight losses to end the season. I really do. And that Dolphins game, uh that Bengals game is going to be crucial for tiebreaker purposes. That Dolphins game is gonna be crucial for tiebreaker purposes. And of course that Bills game at the end of the season will also be important for tiebreaking purposes. So I'm you need to win. Let's see, four would put you at ten. Right? Four yeah, four would put you at ten, ten and seven. You'd go ten and seven this year if you can win the next four of six games. How possible is that? I think three wins, in all honesty, not to be Debbie Downer here, I do believe three wins is the cap. Where did they find those three wins? I don't know. Cardinals, Raiders, uh, Bengals maybe. Cardinals, Raiders, one with the Bills, the first one against the Bills. Cardinals, Raiders, the Dolphins. I just don't see them beating the Bills twice. I really don't know if they'll be able to beat the Dolphins. Granted, it'll be in Foxborough. They're used to the warm weather down there, so it's going to be cold coming up here. Maybe. But I still think that offense is just too high power, too high potent for the Patriots to defend. And I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with them. Realistically, they need to win at least four of the next six games to have a shot. Could they do it in the next three of six? I guess it just depends on where you know other things fall into place. I'm really not sold, though. I could see them losing to the Bills, the Bengals, Dolphins, and the Bills again to the end of the season, leaving just the Cardinals and Raiders for wins. I don't think that's going to cut it. Eight and nine is not going to cut it. I think there's too many other good teams in the, the conference that will squeeze in and push you out. I really do. But there's still too much time to figure that out because we do have that game against... The Bills on Thursday, which I guess I'll preview here a little bit now. You know why not? We talked about the Patriots and Jets. We've talked about the Patriots and Vikings. Let's talk about the Patriots and Bills. Now, obviously, we all know that the blatant potential injury of Josh Allen's uh, UCL ligament in his elbow. Obviously, it is something that has been speculated to be a concern for him in the Bills. He looked pretty good against the who they played, the Lions, uh, yesterday on Thursday. So where does that leave the Patriots in their defense? How do they guard Josh Allen, a player who they've not been able to guard at all, really, ever since he started becoming good? They've not been able to guard him. How? Do you spy him? Do you just rush him the whole time? Do you just drop seven, eight into coverage? How do you stop Josh Allen? Honestly, you know he's a runner. You know he's going to want to run the ball. I think you have to spy him the whole game. I really do. Put whoever you want on him, Duggar, Jabril Peppers, Adrian Phillips, one of those speedy safeties that, you know, has a little bit of size, kind of like a linebacker, and put him, whoever it is, on Josh Allen the whole game. I really think that may be one of the only ways you can slow him down and hope you can slow him down because you're not going to be able to completely outright stop him. That's just a fact. Now, if you do, I'll be quite impressed, but I hope you don't because I have Josh Allen in fantasy. So hopefully the Patriots won't be able to completely shut him down. Now, the Bills do have a really good passing attack. Obviously, Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis has really performed well this season since the slow start. Isaiah McKenzie has come onto the scene. Uh, Khalil Shakir has been someone that you can't sleep on because when he gets the ball, he's able to be dangerous with it. Dawson Knox, obviously, you know, the big tight end who's so hot or cold. He's either super hot or he does absolutely nothing. There's, like, no in-between. And then just imagine if they can figure it out with the run game. I mean, Devin Singletary will pop off for a couple nice runs, and then there's some times where he can't get back to the line of scrimmage. Obviously, with Naheem Hines and James Cook, you know, kind of rotating in there. Like, that team has such good offensive weapons everywhere you look. It's going to be hard for this defense to slow them all down or, or... you know, kind of keep them to under 250 total yards, which I don't think they'll be able to come close to. I think the Patriots are going to have their hands full, and they're really going to have to use this next week to really, really just sit down, study this team, try to find ways, multiple ways to stop these guys, because if one way doesn't work, you need a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D, because the Bills could probably put 30 up in a blink of an eye on you, and I don't think the offense will be able to keep up. Will the offense look good? Maybe, maybe not. Tredavious White is back for the Bills, but he's going to need some time to kind of ease into it. All in all, the Bills' defense has slowed down significantly since their hot start to the season just being absolute menacing monsters to opposing offenses. But I think it's still a defense that the Patriots can, I don't want to say take advantage of, but they can capitalize upon and still put up 20-something points. But is your defense going to give up less than 27 points to give your offense a chance to be in it or you're just your team a chance to be in it come, you know, the fourth quarter? I just don't know. I really don't know. You know, people saying Josh Al- Allen's elbow is a concern. Well, the past two games he's played hasn't appeared to be all too much a concern, at least not that I know or that, you know, the general public knows. I guess we just have to wait and see with this one. I do believe the Bills will win this game because at the end of the day, they are a more complete team, top to bottom. They are a better team, top to bottom. And that's why I'm picking the Bills to win this game, and that's why it causes me concern for the game in January, week 18 of the season, that the Patriots are going to lose that game too because I just don't think they'll be able to keep up, especially if the Bills are playing for something, whether it's seeding or the division or whatever it may be. You know, if the Bills already locked up, whatever, the the division, their seeding, then they'll probably sit everybody and that game won't matter to them. However, right now it does matter. And for the foreseeable future, Week 18 will matter as well, at least for the time being. But I'm just not too confident about the Patriots in this game. However, I will still give you three things that I'm going to be looking for in that game. It feels so weird talking about it uh, here on Friday, a game on Thursday. Usually the game's on Friday and the game... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm talking on Friday and the game's on Sunday, so it's only a couple days away. So I will I will kind of have a disclaimer here that the things that I'm looking for are just the things I'm looking for right now. They could change between now and kickoff. Obviously, injuries could pop up or roster moves could pop up between now and then. That could maybe subtly change some things. However, make sure you're just following me on social media or following the shop on social media at Merck's Cartown, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Facebook as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Murph's Town Sports Shop, if you haven't already, just to stay up to date with the latest things going on around in the sports card hobby, obviously with sports as well, just to stay up to date really with anything shop related. However, the three things that I'm looking for here in this game, number one, I kind of already talked about it. Slow down Josh Allen. You're not going to stop him, at least on the running game. You might not even be able to stop him in the passing game either. But if you can slow him down and knock him off a peg or two, I really think that'll allow your defense to be able to play up to their capability. And I think that'll give the offense a really good chance to play up to their capability if they do the majority of things that they did right in the Vikings game, you know, in the Bills game next week. Just because otherwise, if you don't slow down Josh Allen at all, Good luck. You're not going to win. <laughs> He's going to throw 400 yards. He'll rush for 100. He'll have five total touchdowns. It's just going to be a complete disastrous mess. But if you can slow him down, again, I'm not asking you to stop him. Just slow him down. 200 passing yards. 30 rushing yards. Uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Like I think these are all doable things against Josh Allen if you can slow him down. And we'll see. We'll see what the Patriots defense and, and the, the team in general kind of draws up to help slow him down, right? Because I don't, I don't think... I think Belichick's too smart to go in with the idea of, hey, we're going to stop Josh Allen. Typically, Bill Belichick likes to completely eliminate the opposing team's best offensive player and best defensive player. And in years past, we've seen that be very successful. And as well, years past, we've seen that not be successful. But the majority of time, it has been successful. However, in recent years, the Patriots have not been able to stop or eliminate Josh Allen at all. That's why I'm going in with the idea, hey, if you can just slow them down and put your team in a position to to win the game, that's 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 how you should approach it. Number 2. Number 2 is I want to see the offense continue from the Vikings game to this Bills game with high efficiency. The Patriots showed insane insanely high efficiency last week against the Vikings with Mac Jones throwing 28 completions on 20, on 39 attempts. 382 passing yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Now, of course, there were drives that stalled out and they had to punt. And yeah, that happens. I get it. However, how many punts do they have? They have three excuse me, three punts. But I just think if they were able, if they can just kind of fine-tune the run game, we'll see what Damian Harris looks like. You know, if he can play on Thursday, if not. But they kind of have a full week here to rest and prepare, going from a Thursday game to a Thursday game, instead of going from like a Sunday to a Thursday game. So that's kind of reassuring right there. But the Patriots will need their run game against the Buffalo Bills. That is for sure. Because the Buffalo Bills are going to watch the same film on you that you're watching on yourself. And they're going to realize that, wow, they were only in this game because they were able to efficiently pass the ball. Well, we have a top five, maybe arguably the best cornerback when healthy, and he is now ramping up to become healthy again, Tredavious White, to significantly impact the Patriots' offense, passing offense. So we'll just have to wait and see. But that is something that I'm going to be looking forward to is to see if the efficiency of the Patriots' offense in general can roll over from the Vikings game last night to the Bills game on Thursday. And the number three thing that I'm looking for in this game, Bills versus Patriots, is... is, I didn't get this far, honestly. Slowing down Josh Allen... Patriots offense um how about this how about this coaching let's go with the coaching you know i know it's very broad here but let me let me tune it up a bit you know bill belichick ar- arguably revered as the best coach of all time you guys know my stance on that however there's been games this year where he's been out dueled whether it was the game against the vikings the game against the bears the packers uh ravens whatever Dolphins even. And I think he has a really good chance to to win against, you know, coach with Doug McDermott, right? What's the Bills head coach's name? Coach McD- or Bills Sean McDermott. Okay. I knew it was McDermott something, whatever. And past couple years, Bills have had the Patriots number. And you could argue it's because it was either a chess match or the high wins in Buffalo last year. Or just really, you know, being a gambler and going for it on fourth down. Whatever it may be. You know, I think Bill got the better of Sean McDermott in that game against Buffalo. Obviously, Sean McDermott got the better of Bill last year here in New England. So, I really want to see this coaching match. Because Sean McDermott is maybe one of the top five coaches in the league. I think that's a safe bet to say. Bill Belichick, you would like to think, is in that same conversation every single year. But at least, you know, all time. Top two, maybe not two, who knows? Conversation for another day again. But I really want to see the chess match between these two coaches. You know, one who is enduring success right now, one who is trying to, you know, build upon past success, but still trying to, you know, move forward with the, I don't even know how to describe Bill Belichick and what he's trying to do in all honesty. But, you know, who's going to push the right buttons? Who's going to put the right players on the field? Who's going to make the right play calls? Who's going to make the right adjustments? The little itty-bitty things you know, within the football game. Who's going to be able to make the right decisions more often than the wrong decisions? Who's going to be able to make more right decisions than the other coach does? I think this will be a very interesting chess match between two really good head coaches. And that's something I'm going to be looking for as well. Because I do believe coaching plays a huge factor in every single game. Coaching alone can win you a game or two every single season and i think coaching against the bills you know really good coaching against the bills might be a game where bill belichick can steal you a win we'll just have to wait and see though we really will because coach mcdermott could do the same thing say josh allen's having an underperforming game however draw a couple things up you know put players in the right spot utilize them in the right way get a first down here get a first down there go for it on fourth down And boom, end the game because you got a first down. Who knows? But it's going to be very exciting to watch because the past few games between the Patriots and Bills have been fairly entertaining, uh, you know, just based on the players on the field and, of course, the coaches on the sideline as well. So the three things I'm looking forward to going into this game against the Patriots and Bills, of course, things could change here and there. Number one, slow down Josh Allen. Again, you don't have to stop him, just slow him down. Number two, can the efficiency of the Patriots offense roll over from the Vikings game last night to this Bills game's next this Bills game next week? Hopefully it can with an improvement in the running game. But if you can replicate what you did in the passing game and add a little bit to the running game, I think your offense will be in a really good spot to win this game, you know, without considering any, you know, anything happening on the other side. You know, if you can put up 26 against the Bills. I'll feel really confident that the Patriots could win a game scoring 26 points. And then the third thing I'm looking forward to is, of course, the chess match between Coach Belichick and Coach McDermott as well. I think it's going to be something really to pay attention on as you look upon the two sidelines, making the right decisions, making the stressful, tough calls, and, of course, the minute adjustments throughout the game. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I know I was going to t- said I was going to talk about the Celtics. I didn't get a chance to i got to open up the shop in about 5 to 10 minutes, and I really want to make sure that I'm able to have some time to do that. I will talk about the Celtics game next week for episode number, or Celtics in general. Obviously, we'll have more games to discuss come then. But I will talk about the Celtics next week uh, for episode number 170. We will sit here. We will break down the Patriots and Bills game. We will sit here and look ahead. Will we look ahead? Uh, No, we won't have to look ahead to the Patriots and Cardinals game because we'll have episode 171 to do that. And, of course, we'll get a nice update on the Celtics, the Bruins probably, and we'll see if any Red Sox news comes up between now and then. I know they made uh, a small trade to acquire Hoy Park, and they also signed Jerry's Familias, I believe, from the Mets. So a couple moves so far, but no big splashes, but we haven't seen any big splashes yet across the league. So I'm going to hold my take. For that. But that will do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, Google uh, Podcast, excuse me, Amazon Music, Stitcher, anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So, again, I greatly appreciate the love and support by downloading, listening, and enjoying. And if you listen to this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on this video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button comment down below and of course subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing as i would greatly appreciate the support that way that will do it for this episode episode number 169 i asked you to hold your jokes earlier feel free to shoot them now down in the comments or reach out to me with your jokes can't wait to have a good couple of laughs but that will do it for this one enjoy the weekend guys i will catch you for episode number 170 next week hopefully after patriots win against the bills but we will indeed see enjoy the weekend again the holidays are officially here so enjoy the start of the holidays but i will see you for next episode and between now and then you guys know that i love you and i will always always see you